Welcome back to this week's episode of Dylan Friends. This week on the show, I'm joined by one of football's biggest characters. You cannot help but love to watch this bloke play. He's an absolute star on and off the field. The reigning back-to-back goal kicker for the Swans, Tom Papley. We touch on it all, being picked up by the Swans at 19 years of age whilst he was on the job site working as a plumber. His toughest opponents, the 2020 season, opening up on the almost trade to the Blues and the reasoning for getting back to Melbourne, and the awesome work he's doing with Mindful Oz in regional towns. Cannot thank Tommy enough for coming on the show. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I did. And please don't forget, if you like this episode, it'd be a huge help if you could subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Let's go. Welcome to the Dylan Friends Podcast. My name is Deborah, Dylan's mum. Strap yourselves in for some light-hearted and wholesome fun. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. I'm Papley. Welcome to the Dylan Friends Podcast, my friend. Thanks for having me, Dil. Mate, um, first one back in the studio post-COVID, so it's very, very nice to have you in. Uh, I've been looking forward to actually hit you up, um, <laughs> asking when it, when am I going to be on because you text me. But uh, no, it's good to do it face to face. It is, it is, and I wanted to do it face to face, mate, because honestly, you are one of my favourite players in the comp, and I've told you this a, a few <laughs> times. Um, so to have you in here today, mate, and I, I must say, the amount of information because this desk is nice, right? And a lot of information comes through this desk <laughs> from a lot of people, and the amount of people trying to tell me stories about yourself is. By far the most I've ever heard. So I'll, I'll get through as many as we can, but right. I just must say you've got a lot of friends, a lot of frenemies. Yeah, look, I'm probably not the smartest tool in the shed, so there's a few, there's a few boys <laughs> trying to stitch me up, but uh, we'll get them back. Um, mate, what's news? You're on break. What have you been doing? Obviously, 2020 season didn't go as, as planned in terms of COVID-19, and also Swans didn't make finals, did you? No. No, unfortunate, because the blood's culture we know is strong. We'll touch on that. At some stage, but um, what have you been up to, mate? I saw you up in Darwin. Were you playing footy up there or just oh, holiday? Nah, nah, I wouldn't. If I said that, horse would kill me. So yeah. <laughs> nah, but uh, nah, off-season's off been good. Um, started off in the uh, Gold Coast with three nights with the uh, about 10 or 12 of us, um, Airbnb. Mm. Um, so that was nice. Uh, then me, Clark. Then I stayed for another week with Clarkie and uh, Justin McInerney. Yep. Ryan Clark. And, and um, we actually lost one. He, uh, he pulled the pin, so Juzzy's a um, young fella that just couldn't keep up with the boys and went home. No, so, wow. And went home to Melbourne uh, in lockdown via Canberra. Wow. To uh, <laughs> Melbourne. So I can't. There I, you go, Juzzy. I, uh, Juzzy, I feel you, my friend, because I cannot talk on this behalf. I actually, I've told this story before, but I'll tell you because it's embarrassing. But I actually left a footy trip early once and it was in Thailand. And... It was half because I couldn't keep up, but it was half also because one of my kidneys had shut down. <laughs> Long story short, I was in um, Thailand and obviously drinking some um, brown cordials and it was good fun. We're there and all of a sudden, like, you're drinking a lot, obviously, but I wasn't going to the toilet. So I, I couldn't, like, go to the toilet. I was like, this is really weird. Anyway, two days passed uh, pass and I'm, like, shaking in bed. I was like, no, nah, something's not right. All the boys were just ripping into me. I was getting the worst on <laughs> every night. And at that stage as well, the worst on kit was the worst, worst on kit I've ever had. It was a knee brace. So it was like, you know when you do your ACL, which yeah. hopefully you yeah. never have to do, but you wear a knee brace that's, like, you can lock in. Yeah. And it was, like, fully locked. So for two days I had to wear that, like, every night out on the town. <laughs> and, and a neck brace. No. A neck brace as well. So that was what I was wearing out on the town. What is that one? Seriously. Was so, this, 
But it was just Carlton. Yes, Carlton, Carlton. And um, yeah, this has turned into a long story, but we're about to go to PP Island, which I've never been because I'd left. But I was like, look, if I don't leave now, I could possibly die. Like, I didn't know what was going on. I hadn't been into it. So I left, just flew home, didn't tell anyone. So you literally just couldn't go? I could, no, no I, I could go, but I was like, if I if this gets worse, there's no there's no hospitals in the PP Island. Yeah, no, but like, were you like... I couldn't go to the toilet. Literally couldn't no, go. No, I couldn't go to the toilet. So long story short, <laughs> I come back to Melbourne, get some blood tests. I'm at the hospital. I'll end up being on a drip for a week. My kidney had like literally shut down. So like, if I had have gone, it could have gotten worse. But That's I'm not sure if Justin McInerney no, actually... Was, he was just a... It was just... Bit of a sook. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if he had a kidney disease, I'd, I'd let him <laughs> He's got go. no excuse. He yeah, just, he's, yeah, uh, tough enough. J-Mac, good play. Good Northern Knights boy as well, actually. We'd, we'd shout out to him. Um, mate, I want to talk about Darwin because that looks incredible. You're telling some funny stories before. Um, yeah. Off air, what, there's crocodiles in Darwin, isn't there? Yeah, there is there are a few crocs in Darwin. <laughs> but uh, I wasn't I wasn't in a... We, did, we weren't stupid enough to go in the, in the, in the uh, beach, but uh, me and Clarkie headed up to Darwin and uh, we got a couple of mates... Um, play up there Will and Dill Collis mm-hmm. um, Play for the Waratahs Love it So um, yeah we went up there On the I think we changed our flight um, Earlier Because Gold Coast weather Was a bit iffy So mm-hmm. Changed flight earlier we Said we might have a quiet Quiet couple <laughs> of days Before the weekend But yeah, It turned into Maybe four or five large ones But um, <laughs> No we had we had, a, we had a good time And um, Watched the boys play footy It was it was a great If you haven't been to Darwin It's, it's unbelievable it's, it's very good I recommend going there So NT, there's a shout out to you. Yeah, um, we do love NT. I actually do want to get up there. Um, and how was it? Yeah, it was great. It was good. We actually um, went fishing with um, Jed Anderson, so Clarkie knows him from North, and uh, that was a great experience. We um, yeah, we went out um, this mango farm. I would have had a probably a hundred shots, I reckon, and I claimed I hit one, but I don't reckon I hit it. I Man- just, mangoes? No, like went out to this mango farm. Did shoot, you shoot mangoes? No, shoot. Sorry, I stuffed that up, did I? Oh, we shoot uh, magpie geese. Do you know those? Um, oh, maybe I misheard. I think I misheard. I think it was me. I thought I like mangoes, so I thought you said mangoes. <laughs> Sorry, go on. No, well, we were going to this mango farm. <laughs> oh, mango farm. Fango farm to shoot magpie geese, and they fly over. And Jed and his mates had these big double barrel shotguns. I would have had a hundred, and I don't think I hit one. I think I claimed one of the boys, <laughs> but I, I'm claiming it. So, and I had next day I had this bruise on my arm. Double back. Oh, double. it was great. It was good fun though. So yeah, um, yeah, that was great. And then um, yeah, and then head back to Sydney for the um, BNF, and then head home on the Friday. So been in Melbourne since. Uh, as we said um, earlier, mate, you are one of my favourite players. And when I say my favourite, you, I just love you um, as a person as well because you you're a great character. Um, we first met at the the fire relief game when you played um, for Victoria. Um, I was doing a bit of work there and one of my favourite stories about yourself came up that night and obviously I know we've got a lot of mutual friends together and, and, and shout out to Nick Newman, he um, former teammate of yours and, and friend of mine told me a story about your, your beautiful partner Annie who works as a nurse yep. and this was pre-COVID-19. This, okay. is very, this is very early. Very early days, this is probably like January 2020, yeah. this is when the world was normal, yeah. Pre, pre-COVID yeah. as I said and Somehow the message got misconstrued of what COVID-19 was yeah. and how you could get it. And you thought, what? Well, it's, <laughs> now it's a very serious case. So but this, is, this, is, this is how I thought it happened. So Annie's like, what are you drinking Coronas for? Because it was um, pre-season. It was, I think it might have been a Friday over or Saturday or something. And um, I said I'm having a few beers um, with, with uh, Will and a couple of the boys and um, 
I've sent her a Snapchat drink, drinking Corona and she's like, you're not drinking that, are you? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, mate, haven't you heard on the news there's a virus going around that the where they're making the Coronas in Mexico, <laughs> they've got, they've got, they've got the, so they've, people have got around that the actual COVID is in the Coronas and it's spreading around the world. And I've, I've, sh- I've gone, oh, yeah, whatever it is, I'm getting COVID. And then... A week goes past. She goes, "Are you, are you an idiot?" It's. Oh, then I searched it up. It's just some out of bats. <laughs> I can't believe. It. So you she, thought for a week that? Well, yeah, I actually thought for a week, and then I realised. I reckon I told. I reckon I've told Millsy. I said, "Millsy, bro, do you know there's like this virus going around?" <laughs> and he's like, "Really? This was before like it was even heard of. It was only just started in America, and yeah, and then here it is today." Yeah. Okay. Well, it's it's good now that we're out of we're out of COVID, and hopefully we can start drinking Coronas again. I'm not a massive fan of Coronas. I'm a bit more of a Melbourne man, but um, yeah, that's not the case. So hopefully you've got that now. Yeah, I've got but, the, um, I've got the issue now. Now, mate, let's get into the serious topic because it's the reason I love you again. As I've said, one of my favourite players in the AFL. But I'm so rattled, and I didn't want to do too much research into this because I wanted to to know it from yourself. But mature age pick, um, you missed out on the draft. And you're a rookie pick to the Swans. But looking at you now, one of the best players in the comp, especially in your position, um, how did it all come about? Like, how, why didn't you get picked up early days, do you think? And and I suppose I'll just leave it with you. Yeah, thanks for the kind words. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, um, yeah, it's a, it's a funny one. I was actually um, probably from, like, a young age, like 12 to 13, 14 to about probably 16, 17, I was like, I just loved my cricket um, and I went all right and I was, a few of my good mates were like pretty good mates and we were sort of going the same um, path and doing the rep stuff and doing all that stuff and then um, actually under 16s, Gippy Power, I, I gave it away because I was just like, oh, just can't be bothered, I love my cricket. I was, I think I had to play a practice match and um, it was when it, we were playing, a, I think we were playing A grade final or something like that and um, so but um, yeah, so I um, didn't play that um, weekend, and then I sort of just said, um, "Yeah, look, I'm not interested. Um, obviously, cricket's first um, first priority for me." Mm. Um, so then I told him not playing, and then I come back as a and I actually played that year. Actually, that was 20. that was eighteen year old. No, this was sixteen. This was, when 16. I was 16, under sixteen, and then that year it was actually probably um, I won a flag with Bunyip um, seniors that year in 2012. So um, that was that was great and. Um, I'll never forget that day. And then the next year, I tried out for power and uh, went up, went went tried to get in and um, didn't make it under 17s. Um, and then went back to Bunyip again, played seniors again. And um, I reckon that those two years were probably the um, most enjoyable um, years, apart from going to AFL as well as um, Gippy Power. But sort of I had a coach called Cal Paddy who um, just let me play. And um, I think in 2012, I was playing the bottom side and um, I was only a young fella. I don't reckon I had pubes yet, so <laughs> I was, um, I think I was 15, just turned 16 or 15, late 15, so I was a late bloomer. But, um, happens. Yeah, but yeah, I'm I sort of, I think I played six bloomer. games and then I was going all right, just sitting on the wing playing outside and, and then, yeah, I sort of played through all the finals, won the flag and then the next year, same thing happened. He sort of just let me play and played down forward and wing and, um, I enjoyed that. We played in a, another grand final, got done, but those two years probably just sort of reignited the, the um, love for footy. Um, I always loved footy, but sort of just like cricket. And then I, 
and I just stopped playing cricket. I thought I got bored of sitting in the field. I was a batsman and couldn't bowl. <laughs> so, yeah, and then under 18 year, um, Lee Brown took over and um, he was a big, big fan of mine. And, um, yeah, and ever since then, I've, that year I didn't get picked up. Sort of had a bit of interest, but um, no interviews or anything like that. Uh, that back half of the year, I sort of started playing well when those Vic guys sort of went out of the side and that was probably my best half of the year when the um, probably got more more of the ball because those guys weren't mm-hmm. there and then didn't get picked up. And that year got asked to be the 19-year-old and, um, yeah, ever since then I sort of um, started to play really well and give you power. I didn't, I didn't actually make um, Vic country that year. Um, as a 19-year-old? As a 19-year-old, didn't make it. Um, I played all right in the practice games, but... Anyway. I can tell you're filthy about yeah, that. Seriously, like, yeah. is that like because a part of the reason I think you're so good, and I don't want to ruin this whole chat straight away, is like you just I feel like you just can't be told no. Yeah, it's, it's a bit bit like that. I was um, I rem- still remember being cut. I, I was a because all all in this I was a plumber, so I was, um, yeah. Um, might talk about it later, but uh, I was still doing a plumbing, plumbing apprenticeship, so um, my boss was great with all that stuff, and I was still like um, pretty pissed off and. Um, that I didn't make it. Like I, I think I kicked three and like, did my roles as forward, and then went back and sort of just uh, worked hard. And um, eventually, it come off and had a few interviews. I think I had Collingwood, Essendon, um, and then uh, Sydney uh, went was actually in um, just down the road, and I was working around the road and uh, went, went in their work gig with my lunchbox and locked <laughs> up my work clothes and sort of. I thought I just had this funny feeling. Uh, I was always a Swans man and. Um, because of my grandpa and yep. sort of sat in there, I just felt comfortable and um, Kin sort of just the other two interviews I had, I was just nervous and um, the blokes in there when I went in there would just make me feel comfortable. I could just sit there and just be who I am. That I was just a tradie sitting there with mud on my pants and mm. um, he sort of said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "Oh, I want to obviously play footy," and said, "Oh, we think we can. Um, there's a spot for you for you there." and um, yeah, here I am today. When you played in that 19 year as well, did you play a bit of VFL? Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, so that was also a massive part, playing against men. I think that's a big, really big important because I played it when I was younger as well, um, before I got to power. But, yeah, I played three games um, for Casey and actually um, it was when Jimmy Bartel and um, it was actually the passing of Phil Walsh. So those Geelong boys were coming back uh, they didn't play that week, so I think Jimmy Bartel and a few boys were coming back from injury. So I actually stood next to Jimmy Bartel a couple of times uh, on the forward flank, and he was playing back flank, so it was pretty good. And um, I how much respect did he pay you? Oh, there was no respect. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of defender on a, on a small forward, how, was he playing you tightly, or was no? Nah, he wasn't playing. <laughs> yeah, he was looking at me. I barely, I was tiny. I was looking. At, I was just looking at him, going, "This is, this is Jimmy yeah. Bartel." But um, nah, but yeah, I played all right in those games, and um, that obviously helped me. F- um, to get drafted as well So um, Casey and um, Plappy uh, Who's now at Melbourne Yep Draft day in terms of actually finding out You're getting picked up um, By the Swans Is it right that you were actually working that day as a plumber? <laughs> yeah this, I get a bit of stick at this for the, At the boys But um, <laughs> I was I was um, I was working out at Bull and Bullen, um, Which is a country town back back home And we were doing drains And I, I left my phone in the car um, sort of just to, like I knew I'd always be checking it, checking it and shit and shit like that. And then um, I went back to the car and I had a missed call from this random number and a voice message. And um, I listened to it and 
um, Kinnear was on the thing. He's going, hey, Tommy. Him. We're going to pick your uh, <laughs> first pick of a rookie draft. And um, I sort of just, I sort of just um, didn't really believe it. I went back and said, I thought it might have been a prank call or something like that. But um, yeah, and then I sort of just, I think I walked around the van probably 15 times going, kicking the stones. And the, the, the uh, bloke on the excavator is probably going, where the f <laughs> is this bloke? Um, but then I um, went back and he was he looked at me. He's like, what are you doing? I go, I'm getting picked up. He's like, what do you mean? I'm getting rookie to the Swans. He jumps off the excavator. You're kidding. And then um, and he sort of said, just go in. He was digging. It was nearly Smoko and um, I think it was 10.30, the rookie draft, and we went in there and uh, we watched it. And um, I said I kept working, but I was straight home and I was, yeah, we had a bit of a party that night, <laughs> so it was good. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible, I think. The rookie draft, and I suppose this is what I want to talk about now because I love – the idea of a rookie, like, you know, different, very different careers, very different um, ways of getting in. But I feel like in that rookie pick, there is a community there of people that just, you do have the respect for people that are rookie deals because of like, it's it's never easy. Like there, there has been some form of um, adversity on the way of, you know, getting looked up or getting delisted or having a second chance, whatever it is. It's that real hustler mentality, which I love. Yes. Yeah, and especially the rookie draft, like the drafts, I think, I don't know how it works now, but, you know, the draft's normally on a whatever night it is. Yeah. And it's like this production on TV where everyone's getting up, getting their jumpers. And then two days later on dial-up fucking internet <laughs> is the rookie draft yeah. where you refresh it. Phone. And it's like six names come <laughs> up at once. And it's like dead set, like looks like it's Microsoft from like the 1990s. Yeah. Um, what was that like, I suppose, getting picked up as a rookie, going to the Swans? Who did you get picked up with? And what was it like when you first got there? Um, yeah, so... Um, oh, it was it was unbelievable, really. Um, I, the, my draft year, there's Jordan Dawson there now, Callum Mills, who obviously um, went as academy pick pretty early. Picked up with those couple of boys, Colin O'Reardon, sorry. Yes, um, he's another Irishman rookie. He is good man. Story. We now when I talk of now when I talk of some fierce rivalries in the NEFL, <laughs> Colin O'Reardon and myself, the two guys that used he's, to ease. Very feist. We used to really butt heads, but I love him. Like, yeah. I love him. I love I, the way he goes I about I butt head with him when I play, I mean, pre-season. Oh, he's just a competitive. We, he's so annoying. But yeah. we, yeah, we, no, I've got a lot of respect for that bloke and I hope he plays some more yeah, for him. Anyway, go back to what but, you um, Yeah, and then um, I sort of just, um, I was obviously a rookie and I think at the Swans there's a lot of rookies and um, I think sort of when I first got there, it didn't matter whether you're a rookie draft. I think at most clubs it doesn't really matter, but, um, we sort of got there and I sort of just wanted to I actually um, didn't do much in pre-season I sort of had a few shin splints or something mm. um, soft injury as a first year player but, yeah, uh, um, <laughs> but and then yeah I sort of after Christmas started training with the group and um, sort of just wanted to just have a crack and um, I sort of I remember sort of um, Luke Parker and a couple of senior boys said mate like you can actually like play round one if you just do keep doing what you're doing putting the pressure on and Things like that. and that's sort of where I sort of started with was pressure and um, as a rookie player you want to work hard and do everything right. Um, probably didn't do everything right, um, still probably don't, but it's just the way characters are and everyone's different in um, in a team and um, and yeah I've sort of probably didn't uh, probably take it for granted a little bit that first year um, to play in a grand final and um, come off a rookie list and um, nearly win it and things like that, but. Uh, looking back, um, yeah, I'm very grateful that the Swans have um, taken a chance. And it is sometimes it is a lot of luck in the rookie draft, I reckon. And you 
some kid could be um, it could have been another kid that um, probably might be doing plumbing or building that um, could have been me. So did a lot of luck, but um, I think you can create your own luck. And yeah, no, I, I totally agree, mate. And I, I think you you're underselling it there because I sort of feel like your mindset and the way you play it was probably never an option to fail once you got to a club. But like you said, you've got to have guys like Luke Parker there telling you that you can do those sort of things. So, and, and it like probably instills that belief in you. Um, you've gone up to Sydney um, on a rookie wage, which in, living in Sydney, though, it is quite tough on the you know rental and stuff up there. Um, you've got a one-year deal. You're moving into a team with you've got guys like you've said, like Luke Parker, Buddy Franklin. Um, I'm not sure who was – like Ryan O'Keefe. Was he still there at nah. the um, Who's that? Kizza, yeah, Tanners, Bud, and you're walking into a team that's a finals contender. As you said, you've gone and played in the grand final that year, and you're playing at the end of the year. What, what's your mindset to do that? Like, how hungry do you have to be? Do you think? And do you see now when you see rookies come in? Do you see? Do you sort of take a liking to them and see if they've got that hunger and that drive? Yeah, yeah. I, that's what I probably. Um, I think hard work always um, sort of beats talents. What I always sort of thought and. Um, that's what I always uh, always wanted to work hard, and I'm probably um, a lot of people probably grow up things outside of training and things like that probably don't do it to a T. But when I'm training, I'm training really hard, and that's what I yep. um, think one of my best assets are is train hard, and um, that's what uh, helped me um, to get to where I was. And I always um, wanted to ask questions. Uh, Benny McGlynn was there at the time, and he was probably the only other small forward, and I always asked him, and I think we had a good relationship there, and. Um, yeah, I was always asking questions, wanting to learn division and things like that. And I think that's what it is with uh, – look at some kids today and um, that have sort of probably took a couple of years but then they've realised um, that, oh, shit, this is actually – this is how you do it. And mm. some kids it might take two or three years, but sometimes it, that's not um, – you don't have that long. And as a rookie, you, you don't. You don't. Um, so it's just important to, um, yeah, take your opportunity and just work hard and um, – yeah, just give good first impressions. and yeah. The one thing I love about the way you play is you play as a, a villain on the field. So you're the bloke that people would watch and go, I want to have a beer with that bloke, but I also hate him <laughs> if he's not on my team. Do you, is, is that something you, you actively try to do or does it just happen? Early on, I was probably not as bad as I am. Like, I was pretty bad early, but now I've sort of, I suppose, let the footy do the talking rather than me just trying to tackle and do all that stuff. Yeah. But um, I'm no still, more, still definitely so am a villain. you playing pl- pressure now. You don't worry about pressure anymore. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> just to get yeah. the other young kids to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was sort of my role, I suppose, my role in just getting under the skin and um, me and he's sure. Um, <laughs> love even love. I think sort of we sort of actually had a lot of respect for each other. Um, I think would have played on each other oh, a fair few times and um, – I respect him, and we had a lot of banter, and it was great. And um, by the end of it, we were talking about horses in the in the last <laughs> games <laughs> and things like that. So it's a respect. You, I think you got to earn. Like I have so much respect for Shorey the way he goes about and things like that. And that was just a part of my role, and um, I did that, and that's what the team wanted me to do. And um, it was funny because um, I reckon I'll, I'll, I'd probably be up there in the top five most hated players. Uh, mm. there's, there'd be a few. Who's uh, there with you? Obviously, Toby'd be, Toby'd up, be there. up there, but. See, that's what I mean. Like, he's one of my favourite players. Exactly, you love those. And I think the thing that when you say most hated players, and obviously this comes from a lot, because I think when I played footy, as I said before, the people that you hate on field when you're playing against them, you you always sort of go, 
well, I actually respect him yeah. so much for making me hate him so much. Yeah. Like I, I think that's what it turns into. In yeah. The- Speaking of Heshaw, obviously there's been the the battles there that you've you've had, but um, obviously the, each week like the games are so funny. Like you're always getting in arguments with, and this is not just you, just anyone in those positions. You always find someone to argue with on the field. Um, who have you found to be your toughest opponents that have actually has anyone ever sort of actually got into your head? There's one. Um Marley Williams used to all – he wasn't um, really a big uh, shit talker, but he was just a niggler and, like, he was a really good lockdown yeah. defender and he's a scary-looking man. Like, I was a yeah. young kid and always played on him. He was one that I always used to think, geez, he's, he's going to get me again here. And I was lucky to get him a couple of times late, which is all right. Yeah. But um, I think Shorey took me off my game because I'd start all right and then um, he'd, he'd, always, he'd always talk and I'd start giving him shit and then I'd – Play one good on him. Played all right in the first quarter and then I'd lose my way in the last three or so. But I found in the end just to concentrate on my game. And um, But I still love talking yeah. a lot of crap. But do you find, because like I, when I played footy, like I um, I loved, you know, as soon as I got out there, I couldn't help it. You know, I'd go out there and say, hey, I'm not going to say anything today. Yeah. As soon as I'd cross it, well, I'd be like, hey, fuck, you just go, just start going off. But I sort of found in a way it like helped me sometimes get into the yeah. game a bit. Yeah. So is that... Yeah, look, I think, um, as you know, as a small forward, it can be a very dark place down there and sometimes very hard to get a kick. And um, that was how I sort of sparked the energy or um, give the give the team energy or and things like that and um, or just tack, yeah, tackling or giving a bit of a stick. And I think it's good fun. I think at the end of the game, you just go up and shake your yeah. hand and uh, give him a little wink, say, good work, mate, and things like that. There's, um, there's a lot of... Um, I can't say too much because I'm still playing. No, I know. You can't <laughs> give away your secrets. You can't but, give away your secrets. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll save these for another one down <laughs> the track. Last one this year made headlines um, with Clarko. That was a funny one. Um, I love Clarko just in terms of what he does. And I did a podcast with Xavier Ellis um, early yeah, in the I'll, year. I listened to that. It was a good one. You listened to that. So there was a part that really sparked against Clarko that he, that he said – and it was obviously that, you know, Clarko's a ripper, obviously an incredible coach, he's done great things. But there's a part that he said where he said sometimes Clarko says things to defect something else. So if for someone who hasn't, for someone listening who hasn't seen this, um, perhaps did a uh, potential, what would you call it, a, um, what'd you do? Well, well actually the story is, you, you, yeah. Well, Tommy Mitchell, was, I kicked a few clangers and um, before that stoppage, Tommy Mitchell was like, Good kicking, perhaps. Yeah. Three turnovers, mate. I said, yeah, <laughs> watch this stoppage. And I actually lined up on Tommy in that stoppage. And I don't reckon he might have heard it. He kept running. I said, yeah, wait for this or something. And um, and then I've gone, the young fella, Dill Stevens, was on Tommy and he's blocked for me. He sinks his hit straight to me and I've kicked the goal. And I said, yeah, where about now, Tommy, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and, then he's, and then it wasn't actually Tommy that pushed. I think it was James Froy come back. And yeah, yeah. obviously me and Tommy are good mates. And yeah. We played together and had a good time. And um, then James Froy's actually... He's gave me a fair push. I actually didn't dive. Um, but anyway, Clarko, and that, that's the story there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. There you go. And then Clarko said that. You've obviously gone back, which, gone was, which was great because <laughs> we need some cat. That was actually hilarious. And I think the whole AFL would love that and really but did like it. But I think end. that Clarko <laughs> was saying, I feel like, look, I don't know um, Clarko well enough to say and speak on his behalf, so I'm not. But I think when... I think he would be, you'd be one of the first players he'd pick in his team, but he was probably trying to defer something else, do you think? Or yeah, he... I think he might have said that um, later down the track, yeah. but um, yeah, he was probably right in the end, really, because yeah. I ended up getting a fine, but anyway. 
Okay. <laughs> Move on. Um, 2019, and this is a, a big point for you where a lot of things were happening, but there was a potential move to the Blues on the card. You know, that's a, a long story in itself. But how did that come about? Obviously, you're a Victorian man. Um, you've obviously got really close family ties here, which we'll touch on later. But how close was that to actually happening? And then fast forward 12 months, you're resigned with the Swans, where a lot of people would have thought, oh, okay, it didn't happen. He'll come back to Melbourne next year. Now you're staying with the Swans and you're, you're stuck with them in 2020. How did, how did the sort of trade stuff come about? Yeah, I've asked for a trade and um, sort of a few times that year I went home and I was sort of, um, sorry, early on, I was sort of feeling it a bit and um, sort of, as everyone would feel, sometimes you feel a bit homesick and um, and then during the year I went home and had a few beers with my old man, ended up having a bit of a argument, I suppose, and um, and then that turned, he's actually got bipolar, so, and then sort of that turned into a, a little bit of an episode and um, things like that. Not many people, I've never really spoke about it, but not pe- many people actually know, so, um, but, and then he had a bit of an episode and I sort of felt that guilt that it was my fault and he went, ended up going into, I had a few days back at home during the year, um, probably during the start of the week, we were, the next day we were fine and as um, good, as everyone, have blue with the old man all the yeah. time, but. Um, this time it's obviously a little bit more serious because he's um, sort of growing up. He's always been in um, sort of mental homes and things like that. Um, so I've, I didn't really know until probably later in my teenage years that was what was going on. Um, but now, um, yeah, so I sort of felt that little bit of guilt. And um, But at the end of the day, I sort of just wanted to um, be back home. That was just part of it and you want to help and um, you want to help mum and you want to be there for your um, brother and... Um, things like that. Your brother, my brother and sister as well. So I sort of felt a bit of a guilt. It was my fault a little bit. And um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I just wanted to um, be home, and that was it. And I sort of kept it inside. I didn't tell anyone and things like that. I told my manager, obviously, and um, that's probably the biggest thing, um, just to uh, speak about it. And um, but now, like now, now, and um, then later on in the year, um, sort of asked for the trade, and it didn't happen. But um, yeah, I was. Obviously, that put more stress on my old man and mm. more more stress on me, and, um, and then um, just speaking about it and um, things like that. Now, like now, I've um, went ambassador for Mindful Oz, and that's sort of linked in all to my old man and um, and Tyson Bale, who uh, committed suicide during the year, and um, that's the sort of um, I've been able to speak about it and um, with my old man. It's probably the first time that um, really know, but I've sort of told my mates and things like that. Yeah, that was just a part of it, and um, that's footy. But now I'm back at the Swans, and I'm loving it. And um, my old man's flying, and um, he, he's now he's happy to talk about it. I've, I've asked him that if I could mention it, and mm. he said yeah. And that's that's what it's all about. He's never said he, I could do that or anything like that. So other than that, like the Swans now, and um, I, the first day, I um, I'm not an anxious person. I rarely get nervous about footy at all. Like just get excited, and I'm carry on before the game and things like that. But I was. A nervous wreck going into the thing. I was don't even know what I was doing. I couldn't even think. So this is after this the is, trade didn't go through. This is after the trade, day one preseason, and, and they said no trade. You're going back to. I'm the going spines. back, and I've I went there. Um, I went there like two weeks. I said oh, I'll come back. I'll see everyone. Obviously, there's a there's a big blow up. Obviously, with the coaches and mm. staff and everything like that. None with the players. Obviously, um, I always loved loved the Swans, and went back and seen the boys probably training and things like that. And then the first day of pre-season coming, didn't get much sleep that night before and I was sh- absolutely shit myself. So I'm driving to training and Anzac Parade is like, now it's like into three lanes. It's got that traffic lights there and 
It's, odd, it's a weird one. You'd probably know. Dude. Yes. But like there's a bus lane, but the bus lane actually wasn't in red yet. It's never It's never working, I don't think that. Yeah, right. I don't know, but like it just wasn't. Yeah. It's got red like tar on it now, but at the time it was two lanes, bus lane with no, um, what's the name? But when you go over that Anzac Parade intersection, it turns into like five lanes. Yes. So I was just, I was shit myself. I was minute from the club. And I've just cut this bloke off. <laughs> I've come from the second lane to the third, the first lane. This big Toyota's gone up, up on the side of the curb. I've looked at the mirror. He's up on the side on the horn. Missed the light pole by like that much. I couldn't believe how close it was. And he's berated me. Put the window down. I was like, sorry, man. Like, <laughs> but that was, that, was moment. that was it. And um, and then yeah, I was I was shit myself. And I um, the first day there, I said, um, there boys like. Um, I, had to, I said I'd say something, just said, like, um, I'm here to uh, win and uh, it wasn't for you boys, I love you boys, and um, things went on and um, time to move on and ever since then it's been great and, yep. um, yeah, here I'm still playing for the Swans. Quickly, just touching back on, on what you said before about your family, mate, really appreciate that. Um, I feel unbelievably honoured that you'd want to share that with, with us and uh, I'm sure... Through that, you've, you've made your family extremely proud. So just for that, thank you. Um, and and what you're doing, mate, as well, with with um, Mindful Oz and obviously Movember as well, you're doing at the moment, yeah. you've got the beautiful Shoppers. handlebar, um, moustache. Um, mate, you're doing an incredible, incredible job. So you, your family and especially your old man couldn't be, couldn't be proud of you, mate. And I, honestly, it, I think that it just shows a lot of that humanised um, point of, of these things. Like a lot of people quick to judge players when they want to seek trades without knowing the full story and of what's actually going on in someone's life you, you honestly no one knows what's going on in anyone's life everyone's got a story but um yeah it's awesome to hear that you, your dad's flying at the moment and and staying on top of it mate because that's that's what it's all about um i've had plenty of tips with my my dad but he beat the absolute crap out <laughs> of me so i sort of try and stay away yeah. um too much uh back to the swans when this all happened, and as you said, it's a little bit awkward first day, and yeah. you're just nervous coming in. I remember a story when Bryce Gibbs um, requested a trade to Adelaide the first time, and the trade didn't go in. So, what has happened is, and we t- we speak about this on this show, but the, in all teams, there's a WhatsApp group, <laughs> and the WhatsApp groups that's that's nearly more important as the first Guernsey get getting presented. It's it's like that's it, it, it does take it when you it does take a little bit to get in there as a first year player. Sort of you don't know when to yeah, comment, you yeah. don't know what to send in emojis. Do you do you even say yeah, anything? Yeah. That's what that see that was my domain, the WhatsApp. Yeah. And anyway, where Bryce gives um, all of a sudden the the trade was going on and um, he's requested the trade and I've, we've seen come up saying Bryce Gibbs has left the group and we go fuck. <laughs> give his call on <laughs> he's off and um all of a sudden you know long story short the trade didn't go through ed kerno adds give it back into the group that as soon as it happens says mate you're not fucking going anywhere <laughs> <laughs> just adds him back in straight back in so That's cool. the question to it is because that was good straight away it sort of just he came back and said boys you know i'm sorry you know that not even sorry he doesn't have nothing to be sorry about um but i'm back i'm committed da, da, da. but then it takes someone to then Start throwing the banter around to break the ice. Was there someone that would really rip into you about that? Yeah, oh, the first um, couple of weeks, I took a few weeks just to sort of settle. Oh, I didn't say anything at all. <laughs> I was just like, usually I'm talking shit and um, yeah. like say stuff in meetings and things like yeah. that. And I, I was very timid for the first few weeks. Yeah. It probably didn't take me long to get back to myself and things like that. But there was there was a lot of boys going, "Yeah, you want to leave anyway?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
but I was actually I was probably a little bit lucky in in a sense because I was um, had a, um, a shoulder scope, so I wasn't actually in the main group yet. Right, um, which was lucky. Yeah. Although main group first day would have been full on, but yeah, I was Tackling. still run, I was still running around the ground. Um, you're gonna leave us again. Yeah. <laughs> But there was a few of that going on, but you know, it's that's what good footy clubs are about. Oh, you have to, mate. I tell you now, if you anyone listening out there, like banter and like ripping into blokes, I think the only time you worry to footy club is if you don't get ripped into because, yeah. like, when that stops, that's when something must be wrong. So, yeah. welcome it. Um, it's always not what you want to hear, but it's it's a good part of it. Speaking of that trade period again, going back, but that was a lot of that was going down while you were in Europe, yeah, on a good trip with some friends. How was it? So, uh, unbelievable trip. Um, it was so. Um, I had to actually like cut it short because um, these days you have to go to the Brownlow, and like oh, unless you've got a you had to you had to drop that in there, didn't you? Yeah, I actually went to Brownlow, <laughs> <laughs> but so I couldn't go to Ibiza. I couldn't. So I missed Ibiza and I missed first three days of Barcelona. So I was Barcelona. I, I like pleaded to the AFL saying, let me go, let me go, let me go. And in the end, I was like, oh, right, I'll cut my crip short because of you, so. Yeah. But I got to Barcelona and the boys were probably a little bit dusty from the night before. Mm-hmm. Went up to the thing, did that. And that's when I told the boys I'm asking for a trade. So I okay, did that night. Yeah. I got some confidence. I just okay, yeah. <laughs> and that was the first time I told them. And is that was, D&M? Or was it just, this is what's happening? This is what, this is, this is what happened. Boys, before we get too retarded, I'm doing this. And they're like, from. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, I got blown that night, and that was it. And then I didn't hear anything for the obviously heard the media, and all the boys just forgot about it and is what it is. And oh, it was great. Um, we went Oktoberfest, um, best two, two or three days, two days. We actually didn't go the third day, I was still flattered myself about that. Um, too hung. Well, I was all right, but the boys have been going for so long, it's just too tired. It's just there, so it's like, but um, it's a I'll, I'll be going, I'll be back on there. Yeah, I, I, I've never been to Oktoberfest. Um, Loved, but, um, it, loved to get there, but yeah, I was yeah, it was a great trip. I uh, went to Berlin, went uh, Munich, Berlin, and then to Prague, and that was great. Uh, Will Haywood, Harry Cano, Oli, um, Clarky, uh, Tommy McCartan, uh, good so men, good. very modern. good men. Hopefully, hopefully, I didn't forget anyone there. No, but uh, no, then no, at the end did. of the trip, I sort of mentioned this before. There's a sort of another little thing around the footy club called the brains. The brains. It was and. Uh, there's a and Ron, Ben Ronke as well. Sorry, Ronks. Um and he's probably the biggest brain that didn't get the thing that we had. Actually, he did get it. But there's a me, Ronke, and Wilbur, and Tommy McCartan should have it, and definitely Ollie should have it. Called the brains, and like we do stupid, like just dumb stuff, yeah. like your brains sort of stuff. <laughs> yep. And um, I got a tattoo on. Now I've got. We all have a tattoo on our hip of a brain. I can get it out if you really want. We want it. We want it. Yeah. We um, want so it. we we um, ended up getting. Euro 2019 <laughs> <laughs> on, our, on our hip, and there's only three. It's only me, Ronks, and Wilbur, but there's definitely a few more that should be on there. Tommy McCartan and Ollie should be. What there. do I have to do to classify for one of these? You're, oh, you're probably in it. You just okay, yeah, okay. I just got it. Yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> you fair. can go get one now. If you okay, want. I'm gonna go get one. <laughs> but no, that was a great trip, and um, I'll always remember that because some of the brains. One thing that I love about you, though, mate, um, a miss of, of traveling. Um, and, and being in the off-season, you don't switch off. You're a true professional in many aspects. <laughs> yeah. And this is where it really comes in because obviously you're a rookie pick, okay? You've done it the hard way. You've done what you need to do. 
and and you're at the top of your game and you have so much knowledge as you said in that brain there's knowledge of afl and how to play it and the one thing i love is after a few beers when you start giving advice to people (laughs) and the best thing that i love about this is in prague one night you've started giving advice to another young man that's in the afl making his way Lockie murphy (laughs) 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 Do, do you remember this well, he was asking me for advice. Okay, so basically someone's asking someone for advice and you're in a club in the middle of Prague. I've heard that you've grabbed a local Prague man and you're starting to use him as he's your defender, showing him how to get front and centre, showing him how to get rid of a defender in the middle of a nightclub. Is that true? A DM that went for maybe plus of two hours. <laughs> that, is, that is so much mayo on that story and I love it. That's a great... That's a great... <laughs> Long story short, these Adelaide boys, these young Adelaide boys, we see them there like, hey, boys, come to the booth. So in we, the middle of Prague. Middle of Prague. We see them. There was three of them. There was um, three or four of us. And uh, Dane Rampy, that's another one I forgot. Dane Rampy was on the yes. trip as well. Um, and, yeah, and we were in Prague and um, Lockie Murphy, and he obviously had a few beers. He was small forward chat, you know. Small forward, as and, you do. Yeah, obviously one of the boys has absolutely hammed that story up, but great <laughs> ham, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, back in, in, in national waters, um, obviously, as you said, your um, mother is from Adelaide. Yeah. And you've obviously got family over there. Um, beautiful family, which big fans of the show. And I do want to give a shout out to, to your family, actually. Will Papley is actually in the draft this year. So any clubs out there, Will Papley? Uh, a lot of recruiters and a lot of people listen to this show. So Will Papley, get him on the list. Um, He's got a ticker and we want him. And probably the most important person in your family is Chloe Papley. Um, and she gives some harsh feedback. You told me prior to this that she's listened to a few episodes and she said he's want to be Joe Rogan and he's got the worst quality of microphones that she's ever heard. That's what I heard at breakfast this morning. <laughs> Chloe, I appreciate the feedback and I hope you enjoy this one a little bit better. Um, coming back to the point, Adelaide, good time. Yeah. One night you're out with your cousin and you've... You don't know how to get home. This one's a pretty funny story. It's um, <laughs> obviously we played in Adelaide. I think yeah, we played in that mm-hmm. Adelaide that um, weekend. I stayed back because I got family there, and my cousins went out, and we went out, and I think it might have been like back controller or something like that. <laughs> Is that actually a place? Yeah, it's. Have you never, been there? No, I never heard of that. It's elite. Okay. And um, yeah, then on the way way home, I we went there separate ways. Um, he went to his missus joint. And I was going back to my auntie's joint where I was staying, and my phone was flat. So she's texting me the address. My phone was flat. And I've got in this taxi saying, mate, drive. Take me home. Take me home, mate. <laughs> and, like, I've roughly, like, um, roughly, like, got to the spot. Like, the in Adelaide, like, it can be easy to get around, but, like, I don't know it like the back of my hand. I mm. got to this spot. I'm like, this looks like this road. <laughs> and, like, we've dri- we're driving. Like, keep driving. I'm like, mate, mate, I think it's on the left here. Keep going, keep going. Oh, that's not, that's it. not it. And, mate, he was going <laughs> off. And like he's like, mate, I need to get home. And um, he's going off. And uh, I was like, mate, I, I reckon it's around here. He's like, no, somewhere else, somewhere else. I'm like, all right, all right. Jetty Road, Jetty Road, Jetty, take me to Jetty Road. Because in Adelaide, there's two, sorry, in Adelaide, there's two Jetty Roads. Did you know that at the time? I do you know that. there was one. I do know that. But then when I realised that I've said it. It was too late. It was too late. So in Adelaide, they live in... So I knew my cousins live in Brighton and I knew where Jetty Road was in Brighton and I could go to Jetty Road in Brighton and get to my cousin's house. So I was going to my auntie's house, but then I gave up on my auntie. Yeah. So then he's taken me 
to Jetty Road, Glenelg. And which, how far are they? Well, they're not too far away. Yeah. But then, so it's a 15-minute taxi ride. Got to an hour. The meat is at like 70 bucks. Like it should be 50, <laughs> nearly pushing 100. And I'm like, oh, no. Mate, this is the wrong spot. You've got to go to... Then I've realised, you've got to go to Brighton. I said Brighton. I was like, <laughs> mate, just please. like, nah, out. I'm like, mate, it was middle of winter. It was freezing. He's like, get out. I'm like, mate, come on. I'm, I'm <laughs> like, not paying for you to just drop me in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I, don't, and I don't know how to get home. He's like, out. So then, anyway, I'm doing nothing. Like, obviously, like, I should know where I live, but like, I'm doing nothing wrong. So I'm, like, I'm not getting out. So he rings the, rings the cops. And the cops come. <laughs> you just said, I'm not getting out. I said, mate, oh, it's free. Like, it was freezing. Yeah. I was in a like, T-shirt and jeans. I said, mate, I'm not getting out. And then the cops come and said, mate, what are you doing? He said, mate, he won't take me to, he won't take me to Glenelg Jetty Road. And he's like, what's wrong? He's like, I've been driving him around, driving him around. Look at the meter. He's like, mate, just take him to Glenelg Jetty Road and drop him off. And then that was it. He's so he had to take you? Yeah. <laughs> So How awkward that would that fifteen minutes have been at the end oh, in the I was, cab? I was probably yeah, it was pretty awkward. I was, <laughs> it was a good um, good night though. Yeah, so I can I can I was, imagine. I don't know why he's going off. He's getting free money just driving around in circles. All right, well now we know that um, <laughs> there's two Jersey roads in Adelaide. I feel a lot yeah. better about that next time. There, just in case I am, mate. Your passion for horses. Yeah. You love the horses. Yeah, you've got a few. Yeah, got a couple. Um, who, who we got? Uh, on the and is there any donkeys or they? Yeah, well, they're pretty much all donkeys. Yeah, really. but, um, got a zoo shine, um, who's with the McAvoy, but um, should have won first two starts. Mm. Um, was winning, started left green horse, um, two year old. Then the second start winning, did the same thing, mm. um, and then come I think it's come, it's had, and then it's uh, run again and, and went shit and had a spell. Then come back ran at Ballarat. Dollar sixty pop, it was priced. Ran four wide, come second again, mm. and then it's gone to um, Flemington on Oaks Day. I'm like, it's a Group Three. We're not winning this. Started at two hundred and one, come tenth. Uh, hopefully next start a we'll good, get a good tenth. A good tenth. It yeah. was it was coming on strong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> another ten meters. I yeah. swear it would Adam. Yeah. So we got the zoo shot, and then we got um, Champs Dior, who are all the Swans boys. Um, mm. We got I think ten of us or so in that, and um, that hasn't run yet. Um, so. Looking forward to that getting out there and uh, getting a few wins. Oh, very exciting times. We'll keep our eye on that one. And um, two dollars fifty each way. That's all. <laughs> if I gamble responsibly, um, mate. I want to talk about Bunyip because it's obviously where you're from, and you're one of the biggest names out of Bunyip. But Second. I don't, I don't know if you are the biggest because obviously Shane Mumford, who's obviously a former Swan, former Giant, former Cat, um, has been on the show early days. Um, he thinks he's the king of Bunyip. Who do you think now has taken over the name of the king of Bunyip? Well, Mumford doesn't even go back, so he's just given Bunyip the arse. So we can argue that in a lot of things, but when Mumford walks into Bunyip, he's, it's a big presence. He's a big man. But, yeah. Um, but you're more in touch with... Yeah, so I go back the there town. and give back to my community. You do. So You do. We'll decide that later. And in all seriousness, um, Bunyip actually did face a little bit of stress in, in recent times of with... Um, which is a very serious matter of the, of the Victorian fires. Talk us through how how serious was that in terms of like your family's, um, you know, home, town, how close did it get, what was affected? Yeah, that was obviously um, that 2019 year as well within, yeah. the, within the trade. So, so that was all happening at the yeah, same it was all time. Happened. Yeah, so, so sorry, it was, it happened in, um, that was probably when it started because that was early um, 
January, January, February, more February. But that sort of started and kept creeping in because he couldn't couldn't do anything. So, mm. um, yeah, I could, there's been a few fires, but that was obviously the biggest one um, since Black Saturday and probably the for Bunyip, rather, Bunyip State Park, which is um, out at Tonnenbach there. And, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yep, so the whole town of Bunyip had to evacuate and family got evacuated. That's Leith? Yeah. Where'd they, where'd they go? Um, actually, went. I think they went to Druin, but yeah. Dad stayed there to look after the house because oh, like, he didn't want to leave. He, leave. he wasn't leaving. He's, because, yeah, like he, he was hopeful that it wouldn't keep coming and it obviously didn't, which is, which is great. They sort of stopped it at, sort of jumped the highway and then oh. didn't come... But if you know Bunyip, you turn off the highway and there's like um, Tonnenbach, then Bunyip, and then like that's all Tonnenbach, the other side. And then oh, if it went through Bunyip. Like, Horrific. Because Tonnenbach's obviously there, few, like a lot, a lot of houses lost out there and Labatouche and um, yep. things out there and that ripped through all that town and houses and things like that. I think there was like 40 plus houses, but if it went through Bunyip, it would have been absolutely devastating. And um, fires did really well and then actually. Ended up playing in the bushfire relief, yeah. which was a little um, touch. Yeah, that's that's incredible, mate. To add to the stresses of everything else going on at that stage, it's pretty hectic. And I think with COVID, it, the fires probably don't get as much credit as they deserve yeah. in terms of how like everyone knows how serious it was. But obviously, COVID's come through now, and it's um, taken a bit of shine off it. So we can't disrespect how much we need it. And I think one thing that we need to do is go and travel to these towns and put money back yeah, into absolutely. them. Um, and I'm going to be doing a lot of road trips down um, Gippsland way. Um, Xavier Ellis, good Gippsland man as well yeah, from that way, um, has, has said the same thing. So I'll be down there. Um, might even swing past Bunyip yeah. as well. You've got, you've got to be quick. You might miss it. Okay, okay. well, I'll, I'll see how we go. Um, mate, we touched on it briefly earlier, but um, obviously Ambassador um, doing a lot of work with Mindful Oz, um, which we touched on. And and November, obviously, the mental health space is extremely passionate to to you and 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 your family. How how important is that to you? And what what is the affiliations there? What will you be doing with that sort of stuff coming forward? I suppose We're sort of all tied in. But like uh, when Tyson passed away, uh, yep. passed away, and um, I sort of sort of hit home a little bit. Sort of obviously played footy against him and uh, mates mates, and obviously yep. um, have a beer with him when I go back home and say hello and things like that. But I was. Um, and then it sort of just, I just sort of um, said like I want to get involved and um, be a voice and things like that because um, I think it is very important and um, it can be, it, like if you, I've never um, been sort of so bad that that's never yep. going to happen. I'm, I've never called what I had mental health at all, but um, like eventually with my dad, uh, he's got mental health problems and um, things like that. And then just to be a voice and help out, um, probably get it at an early stage with mindful eyes. You can go back and. Um, this is what sort of I'm going to be doing is going back to um, rural areas um, in in um, Bunyip, like Gippsland Way, and um, getting to those kids earlier to sort of just say it's okay, it's okay not to be okay and um, just have a bit of fun down there and get a few um, local footy clubs out there. And uh, Matty Reynolds, who's the CEO and does a great job there. And, um, yeah, I think he's, he's done a lot of work um, over the years and, um, yeah, yeah, it's huge, mate, and I commend you for that. It's, it's a massive, massive gig, and especially when it's something so passionate um, and close to home. Uh, this is something just for, for my point of view. Do you think, uh, like I was, I obviously grew up more in in the city. How important is this um, for kids in rural towns? I suppose, like where you grew up in the country, because we we're chatting off air about this before. But 
you know, we've been blessed to have an opportunity on AFL clubs and, and we probably get fast-tracked in terms of mindfulness yeah. and mental well-being and learning strategies to deal with these things. But, you know, I know, you know, my best mates that don't play footy and they have nothing to do with it. It's it's something that they don't, they're not familiar with and it's something that's obviously people are learning about now. But how exposed are kids yeah. to that in the community without these programs? Well, I think it's a massive, a really big issue in um, definitely the country areas because... Um, I know there was um, a few kids down at um, down that way in Warrigal area that have um, committed suicides at these age of 16, 17, mm. which like just shouldn't be happening. So I think it's just so important to get those um, those resources in like high schools and primary schools early on because um, like when I was there, I, I, there was nothing there. Like nothing. Um, if yeah. if some kid did have it, they would just have to go to a counsellor or outside of school or um, a child worker. So. Um, yeah, I think it's a massive, um, massive issue back home and in everywhere, obviously, but um, a really big issue definitely back home. Yeah, it's huge, and we we will definitely be doing some stuff hopefully soon with with Dylan friends and everything about getting out to some country towns and putting in some work there because it's something that we're we're extremely passionate about as well. Um, mate, Tom Papley, you look back six years ago, you were uh, plumbing. Um, now you're one of the best players in the comp. Um, you're loving your life in in Sydney. What have you have you given much thought into what life's like post football? Um, no, I haven't um, really. Um, I sort of obviously started as a plumber, but yeah, I haven't thought. I've obviously thought a little bit about. It. I've done. Uh, I started the building course, and um, that sort of got a, it. Was so I like it, but it's just a bit hard. I've um, done that. It's actually very hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's very hard. Like obviously not know a little bit because of plumbing, but yeah, it's a bit harder than I thought. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've, I think I've got a, um, like I love my footy, so if I either go down the coaching path, but um, being in footy a long, like if I was been in footy, hopefully ten to twelve years. Um, if I do another ten to twelve, that'd be a long time. So yeah. I'd like to do uh, maybe something um, else, but if it, if it does come to footy, it's footy. So you'd like to stay in footy coaching stuff? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I sort of just haven't thought about it. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll probably. I think I started a coaching course, but I'll, uh, I'll probably do another one and. Um, see, I feel like it. I just haven't really tried it much, so yeah. You got, um, mate. You got a long time, yeah, to, so. to work it out, I suppose. I um, when you sign one year deals at start, now you're signing <laughs> five year deals. It's it's little, it's, it's nice. Yeah. It's nice. It's better than one year. <laughs> it's better. Last but not least, we spoke about off field. Like, what's next for you? But in terms of footy, there's still so much to go. Uh, obviously, signing on with the Swans. What's what are some obviously. A goal is to win a flag personally and i know it's something that we don't talk about a lot in, in footy because it is a team sport but is there something that you want to you focus on there um yeah, i sort of haven't thought about too like too much but um i think sort of just being respected in within the afl in, um, industry and um i think there's a lot of good small forwards around these there charlie cameron dan butler and things like that liam ryan and, um to i don't know to one day be hopefully um one of the better small forwards that are run around would be a nice little um, achievement, but um, yeah, it's a long way to go, and um, yeah, that's probably one thing just to uh, be respected and um, hopefully keep uh, building on my career and um, be one of the better small forwards. Mate, I feel like you, you're doing that. You, you're an incredible player, as I said. Um, love, love the way you go about it on the field, um, and then after our chat today, mate, I even love more what you're doing off the field because you're an extremely, extremely good, good person. Um, 
got some some interesting interesting stories. Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, mate, the 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 amount of respect I have for you and what you're doing on and off the field, especially with your your mental health stuff and opening up, and and for blokes like yourself that are from the country, um, and you you know you come from the, the trade background and doing that. I think it's don't underestimate how much of an impact you're having on that, mate. So, firstly, thank you for that. Secondly, thank you for coming on the show, and um, hope you enjoyed it. I loved it. Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends podcast. If you liked it, it'd be a massive help if you could subscribe, rate, and leave a review. I'll even give you a kiss. The show is produced by Dylan Buckley and Sam Bonza. Damon Jackman from Creative Edge Film is responsible for audio and visual editing. Samuel Kenny Creative looks after graphics and animation, and the podcast is recorded at the Dylan Friends studio, which sounds fancy, but really, a friend had a spare room at his office, and I took it over. If you'd like to get in contact to suggest a guest or advertise with the Dylan Friends podcast, you can email us at inquiries at dylanfriends.com, which will also be in the show notes. Thanks so much for tuning in.